today we're talking about the theology of recreation or recreation. And Vince said he was excited to be here because he's such a good sport. Oh, yeah. It's going to get worse, folks. Here we go. The preacher, the pastor, will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth into Joy. Notice that was the male pastor there listed in the, in the uh, thing. Eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and the deterioration of some older ones. The church will host an evening of fine dining, superb entertainment, and gracious hostility. Potluck supper, Sunday at 5 p.m., prayer and medication to follow. This evening at 7 p.m., there will be a hymn sing in the park across from the church. Bring a blanket and come prepared to sin. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. In a world that is so serious and so intense a lot of the time, there is something so healing and restorative about laughter and joy. It both contributes to and it comes from the restoration of our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies when we trust that the world and our place in it isn't all about us or up to us. We can rest in joy when we trust in God's goodness and God's provision. I wonder how easily you laugh these days. I wonder how much joy you experience every day. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us, that we would be recreated in your image. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our culture values work almost to the exclusion of anything else. We make it super easy in technology with our phones and our computers and uh, internet connections and Wi-Fi that, that we can be available anywhere and any time. And, and so there's a, a high uh, premium, there's a, a high uh, a love of work. There's a high expectation of work. I suspect that it comes from, from our, our tie, that we tie our worth and our value, our security to the work that we do, what we can accomplish and what we can achieve. So if working harder or working more helps accomplish and achieve more, which then gives me more value and status and power, then I'm willing to give up almost anything else for work. But there's a cost to that, a physical and emotional and mental and a spiritual cost to our health, to our relationships, and sometimes to our very souls. One study done in 2013 at Kansas State University found that people who work more than 50 hours a week were likely to suffer both physical and mental health consequences. The inability to detach from work 
may initially appear to result in increased productivity. Over time, however, productivity decreases and relationships break down. The stress takes a cumulative effect and eventually the addiction to work can increase health risks and even contribute to mature, premature death. Working long hours also sets up an interesting dynamic. The more people work, the more money they earn. But the longer hours reduce the amount of leisure time available to enjoy spending the money that they've spent so much time working for. Without even realizing, life can quickly become all work and no play. Without even realizing it, work can kill you. We're not created to work 24-7. It's not how God created us. It's not how God intends for us to be. Work certainly has its place in the world, in God's design for human beings. We talked about this two weeks ago. Work is an essential part of who we are and what we do. We're created in the image of God who creates and who works, who invites us to be co-creators with God, to work as well, establishing work for us to do. But there is also a created space for rest and recreation, for rest and recreation. In Genesis 2, and on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. God worked and we work. God rested and we are to rest. It's a natural rhythm of work and rest that is given to us as a gift in creation. It comes out of God's goodness and it's part of God's provision for us. Sabbath rest is built into the way that God provided for God's people in the wilderness. Sabbath literally means to cease working. To cease working. It is a day of worship, of rest, of refreshment. As they're in the wilderness, this is what Moses tells them. On the sixth day, the, the people of Israel, they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Sabbath is created in, as, as part of creation, given to us as part of creation. It's, it's part of the instructions to the people as they're wandering through the wilderness. Remember, God has led them out of slavery, is teaching them how to be a people, how to be the people God has chosen, that God has chosen to bless, to be a blessing. But they don't know. They've been in slavery. They don't know how to be in community together. They don't know how to govern themselves. They don't know how to trust a benevolent God. And God says, work on those six days, but the seventh day is a day of rest. It is a day to stop working. 
Later in Exodus, Exodus, therefore the Israelites shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations, generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. From the beginning of time, God's been trying to help the people understand. You work and you rest. You work and you rest. This period of rest, this Sabbath, to cease working is a sign of the covenant God makes with us, with the people of Israel and with us, that God is going to provide what we need for that day where we stop working. That God gives us work to do and that God provides for us on the day on the resting day, provides not just for our physical needs, but for our, our soul and our mind and our heart. Observing the Sabbath to cease working reminds us who we are and reminds us to whom we belong, reminds us that we are not in charge of the world. Our value, our worth is not up to us. It's not up to what we can accomplish or what we can achieve or how we perform. It's about God's love for us and the gifts that God gives to us. We can trust that God will meet our needs. There is daily rest. In Psalm 127, too, it is in vain that you rise up early. I would love for it just to stop right there, right? It's in vain that you rise up early. And go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. God is a God who doesn't sleep, who doesn't slumber or sleep in Psalm 121, but gives us sleep. Our bodies are created to need rest. This daily rest that we need, and the Sabbath then provides a weekly rest. And then there's other periods of extended rest Uh, We take vacation or we go on holiday. We have an extended period of time where we're not in that grind of working. This this rhythm of, of work and of rest, of finding joy and enjoyment, not only in the work that we do, but in the ways that we experience not working. Sabbath is created... uh, for humankind. Uh, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. The the followers of uh, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and uh, they all wanted to make this a very rigid and legalistic thing, and we do the same thing. We want it to be a rule that we follow. We want it to be boxes that we check off. We want to say what you can do and what you can't do, but the Sabbath The ceasing of work is a gift for us, however it is that we can experience. It's going to look different for all of us. We don't all work the same schedules, first of all. And even if you're retired, remember we said a couple weeks ago, even if you're retired, there's work that you do. And even in that work, you need periods of rest and restoration. We're meant to be able to push the reset button for for our our being, the the restart. You know, even our phones and our computers need to be turned off, to be turned back on. The operating system functions best when it's not on all the time. It is the same for us. 
For some people, Sabbath looks like a complete disconnect from technology. For some people, it's time alone. For some people, it's, it's time in nature or, or a meal with friends or doing something that is a hobby or an interest or um, simply doing nothing sometimes is what Sabbath looks like. It looks different for each of us. I wonder what your rhythm of work and rest looks like. Do you even have a rhythm of work and rest that you can identify? What does your work and rest look like? How do you find refreshment for your soul? How are you intentional in in putting yourself in, in the path of joy each day? How do you allow your body and your mind to be restored? Here's some of the ways for me. I can go to the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina, which doesn't look like that today. They're getting a lot of rain today. Or sit with a cup of coffee on my mom's porch with all the trees. Or be beside the water, a river. One of the things we love to do when we go to North Carolina is a a bike ride on what's called the Virginia Creeper Trail. And it's an old railroad that they've converted into a a path. You can hike it or you can ride bikes. We rent bikes and they they take us up to the top. And we ride 17 miles down this amazing, uh, this path where you can get off and you can get in the water. You can climb on the rocks. You can... Ride as fast or as slow as you want. Being with those people in particular is restorative to my soul. One of our other favorite places is at the beach. And really, anywhere these guys are, I find joy. And I'm grateful for that. Now, to be sure, I do a lot of work for them, too. But when we can get away or even in, in the most ordinary of, of spaces. Sometimes it's in the car ride on the way home, or when we're stuck in the car in traffic, right? Taking advantage of moments. Sometimes we don't have a whole day to stop working, but all of us can take a moment of rest wherever we are to stop working, to remember whose we are, to remember God's goodness and God's provision for us. There's a great movie out right now, uh, Christopher Robin. I don't know if anybody who hasn't had children, who doesn't have children has seen it, but if you haven't, it's, it's a really good movie. I will warn you, it starts off kind of slow. Has anybody seen it besides me? Great. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I will say it starts off a little slow, but then uh, it's really a lovely, lovely movie. It, it's, it's Christopher Robin as an adult, Christopher, as an adult, has married uh, his wife, Evelyn, and they have a daughter named Madeline. And he works for Winslow Luggage in London and works really hard. He's, he's a workaholic, often neglecting his family for work. And, and there's a particular Friday that he and his family, at the end of the summer, were going to go back to the cottage in the country and have a weekend together. And uh, by the time he gets ready to leave work, his boss says to him, uh, Uh, Christopher, there's a a project you need to work on. You need to figure out how to reduce costs by 20%. They manufacture a really nice luggage. And uh, you need to figure out how to reduce costs by 20%, even if that means figuring out who you're going to lay off. And you need to have your proposal to us on Monday morning. So it's Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. He's supposed to leave to go to the cottage with his family. And his boss gives him this demand. 
And you can see in the movie, in his eyes and his mannerisms, and his, you can see the struggle that he has. Does he choose his work, which provides for his family? Or does he choose his family? Does he choose his work or some much-needed rest and recreation? At one point in this, his, uh, he says to his wife, if I work really hard now, in the future, our lives will be, and she interrupts him and says, our lives will be, what, impressive? Our lives will be worse? We don't care. We want you. And faced with this struggle, he chooses work. He chooses work. It will be Winnie the Pooh and his friends, of course, who help Christopher Robin as he reaches a breaking point to realize what his work is costing him. And through a series of adventures and misadventure, he finds himself, he finds his family, he finds his childhood friends, his joy, his creativity, his very life again. And in the middle of the chaos, Winnie the Pooh says, doing nothing often leads to the very best of something. When we're so engaged in work, in achieving, in, uh, in performing, in, in uh, doing things better, sometimes we get so stuck that we can't see beyond the moment. Sometimes it's only when we do nothing, when we rest, when we stop working, when we take Sabbath, that once again we, we're led to the very best of something. In the end, Christopher Robin works out a plan, and it all works out. I'm not going to spoil it for you since none of you have seen it. You can rent my children. If you want to rent my children, you could take them to see it. Uh, devises a plan that is, uh, he never would have come up with had he not been forced to rest. He never would have come up with unless he had been forced into a time of doing nothing. When we refuse to rest, when we refuse to take a break from work, then in essence we are doing a couple of things. We are rejecting a gift from God, the gift of Sabbath, the gift of rest. We are implying that God's pattern of work and rest, God's rhythm of work and rest really doesn't apply to us. We are telling God we don't really trust God's provision for us. The people in the wilderness got themselves in trouble because they gathered extra food than what they needed. They didn't trust that God would provide what God said God would provide. Do we? It is also making it very difficult for the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and our minds toward the co-creating, the co-working to which God invites us. We're saying, in essence, when we refuse to rest... When we refuse to stop working, we're saying, in essence, that we'd rather worry about things that are beyond our control anyway. We'd rather worry about them than trust the God who sees all things and knows all things and loves us completely and works for our good and provides what we need. When we refuse to rest, when we refuse to take a Sabbath moment or day 
We're basically clinging so tightly to the things we think we have and need that we're not able to receive what God longs to provide for us. We're not able to let the Holy Spirit work in us, leading us to the very best of something. I love Paul's reminder to us, to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this image of of, uh, the peace of God guarding our hearts and our minds, right? Because really it's our hearts and our minds that tend to be most frantic about the work, right? We, We begin to believe that somehow... Our worth and our value are tied to what we do. And then we begin to worry about what would happen if we stopped working, if we actually rested. And then we begin to to actually feel that anxiety, right? Our, Our minds and our hearts. But when we can choose not to worry, but to give by prayer and supplication, give thanks and tell God what's on our hearts and minds. And the peace of God stands guard at our hearts and our minds. So that when worry and when fear and when anxiety tend to want to creep in, the peace of God is standing there to stop them from gaining entrance. When the culture around us knocks on the doors of our hearts and minds and tells us we're not doing enough, we're not working enough, we're not working hard enough or long enough, The peace of God guards our hearts and our minds to say, you know what? I'm giving all that I need to to work. It's not about not working. Work is good for us. It is part of the design. But it's about knowing that our value and our worth doesn't come from the work that we do. It comes from who we are. And who we are as a gift from God includes this time of rest to cease working. We can rest and we can rejoice. We can be recreated because it's been part of God's design from the beginning. And whether we'll admit it or not, we all long for such rest. Sometimes I think if we're not in the work that gives us joy, it's harder even then to receive the rest. What's your rhythm of work and of rest. Maybe one of those things needs to change. A couple months ago, I was in Houston having dinner with a a friend, my friend Jill. We've known each other for 30 years. We met on the first day of college, and we've been friends ever since. And and we've been uh, soul friends. We very quickly uh, realized that we shared a lot of interests and uh, felt the same way about a lot of things and uh, lived college life together, and it was great fun. And we've shared a lot of highs and lows over the years. We've really just been the best of friends. And so we were at a restaurant eating dinner, and, and when we first got there, there weren't very many people there. And so we, we were catching up. We hadn't seen each other in a while. Thank goodness for technology, right? We can be on Facebook. We can text each other. But 
we were in person and, and we were laughing and we were crying and we were telling stories and uh, other people came into the restaurant. We really weren't paying attention, very much attention to them at all. And at one point we were laughing so hard. We both were trying to be so mindful that we were in a public space, right? But we're laughing so hard. Tears are rolling down our faces uh, in laughter and we kind of get ourselves back together, uh, composed and, and serious again. And an older man comes up to our table and I thought, oh gosh, now we're in trouble. And he said, I've been watching y'all and listening to your laughter. I wish I had a table where I could sit that was full of such joy and such laughter. He said, I really just wanted to come. I don't even know you. I just wanted to come hear your stories because clearly they bring you such joy. And he went on to talk about how he was a widower and he had children that he visited all the time and he loved to travel and he engaged, he probably stood there for five minutes talking to us, telling us about him. And, and he said, I, I didn't mean to bother you. I, I, just, I, just, I just want some of your joy. And I thought, gosh. We were just hanging out there. We didn't, we didn't realize in what we were talking about that, that we were making memories. We just knew we were having fun. For so many years, she and I have just had fun and shared life and in the sharing of life, we were making memories. And in the remembering of those, then again, there was great joy. How often do you experience great joy? This man, this elderly man, just wanted rest from the burdens that he was carrying. He just wanted a place where he could rest and let go of some of the things that were on his heart. And I think he recognized that Jill and I were in a space of rest with each other. Clearly we were not working, but we were resting and we were finding refreshment and we were being recreated in that space. God's design for us is a rhythm of work and rest so that we are continually being recreated in God's image. Do you have such a rhythm? What does that look like for you? You know, we ended the, the quotes while ago about don't let worry kill you, let the church help. But really, the church can help build community for you. Another funny sign, they're everywhere, right? Free coffee, everlasting life. Yes, membership has its privileges, right? As the body of Christ, bless you. As the body of Christ, we find refreshment and recreation and recreation together so that we share one another's burdens and we find joy. We find joy in knowing that none of us is responsible for the whole thing. I wonder where you find joy, where you find community, where you find rest for your soul from whatever the work is that God has given you to do, where do you find that place of being recreated on a regular basis? If you don't have a place, the church can help. And we'd love to visit with you about what that looks like. Let's pray. 
Lord, sometimes our lives are, are filled with such serious things, and our world is so intense in all that we see and all that we experience. Our families are so filled sometimes with burdens that we carry for health and well-being. And sometimes, Lord, we simply are so focused on work, on achieving, and on performing, and on taking care of that we forget the rest that you give to us as a gift as part of creation. We forget that we don't have to carry it all. We forget that you give us times of Sabbath. Honestly, Lord, in our pride is sometimes where we dismiss Sabbath, where we think that we don't need it, where we think it's for everyone else, and yet our very core longs for that rhythm of work and rest. So help us, Lord, no matter what our work is, to believe that you have instilled for us and to us this time of rest, of recreation and of recreation, this time of Sabbath. Lord, I pray that as a church we would reclaim it so that in the midst of the world that is all about the work that we do, we would set a different example of what it means to trust in your goodness and to trust in your provision for us, what it means to live lives that really are more healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and physically. Give us courage to be part of a community that supports the rhythm of work and rest and helps us find that sweet spot of living fully in your goodness and your grace, of being fully alive, knowing that that's what best honors and glorifies you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.